The following message was given at Emanuel Baptist Church, Coconut Creek, Florida. Father, we are so very grateful for your kindness toward us. We thank you for showering us in abundance of grace each and every day, and we are thankful to be your people. We thank you that you have brought us here together this morning and on this Lord's Day, and we pray that you would be honored by everything uh, that we seek to accomplish here. We pray, Lord, that you continue to give us great unity and joy as the body of Christ, that you continue to unite our hearts together in love. We pray, Lord, that uh, you would be glorified in our lives. And we ask, Lord, that by your word and spirit, uh, that we would be instructed, that we would be edified, that we would be challenged and convicted, and that we would have an even greater joy when we leave here today for our salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. We do pray for this time of Sunday school. We ask, Lord, that you bless the other teachers and our children. Lord, that you would be working in their hearts each and every day to store up your word, that they might not depart from it, but that they might love and embrace and enjoy the Lord Jesus Christ every day of their lives. And we pray, Lord, that as we consider what you have done in the nation of Nigeria, uh, that you would bless our time, that it would be instructive and helpful, and uh, that we would be encouraged all the more to pray that the nations would be glad in Christ. And we ask that you do all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, I got back just a couple of weeks ago from my latest uh, trip to Nigeria. That marked, uh, if my count is right, I think that marked my 20th trip to Nigeria. I've been going since 2010, and uh, for a stretch of years there, I was going about every six months as uh, some of this work was really uh, picking up. So the Lord has done a lot since then, and uh, I've talked about Nigeria before, so I'm not going to go through all of the uh, cultural elements that I've described in the past, but I do want to uh, talk mainly about uh, the... Uh, the things that I did during this trip and the progress of the work uh, that we are doing, the main efforts that we are doing there. So uh, I'll give you a few maybe cultural things along the way. And I'll just start uh, by saying that Nigeria, um, most people uh, think of Nigeria and they think about corruption, which is true. Uh, if you read about Nigeria in the news, most often it's political and religious violence, which in certain parts of the country is true. Um, but Nigeria is also a robust uh, place in terms of its culture, in terms of uh, the various uh, tribal realities, and uh, a, a beautiful people that I've grown to love very much over the years. And uh, so, like anything, uh, what you see on the news is often the sensationalized version of uh, what reality is. And so uh, I want to uh, try to share some with you about this, this great nation in West Africa. It is a nation of, uh, last estimates are about 230 million people. So to put that in perspective, Nigeria would fit inside the state of Texas the U.S. population is about 320 million, so it's not, uh, it's not too far off the entire U.S. population inside the state of Texas in terms of uh, size. It's made up of 72 unique tribal groups. Uh, there are, um, each tribal group has its own language. There are three primary tribes, um, but uh, among all of them, the official language of Nigeria is English, one of the reasons I was excited to go there in the first place. Um, but with that, you do have uh, many clashes in terms of tribalism. Uh, we talk a lot in the United States about ethnic and uh, racial conflicts, but in Africa, uh, very often you have tribal conflicts. And so uh, same problems, maybe uh, with a, a, a sort of different uh, paint job on it, but uh, it certainly is uh, an, an ongoing issue there. 
Nigeria achieved independence from British rule in 1960. So a lot of the political issues uh, you have to put into context and realize that we're talking about a country uh, that for all intents and purposes has only been operating on its own for about 63 years. Um, and they weren't left with much when uh, the British, um, uh, when they left in terms of colonization. So they've been trying to uh, re rebuild, I guess you could say, since uh, 1960, and it's a slow process uh, when you are not uh, sort of starting from, from scratch, um, but have a lot of ideas and a lot of um, dependence upon an entity that has money and resources and, uh, and structure. So um, while there are many problems in Nigeria, and you can just stop any Nigerian and they'll be glad to spend about five hours telling you all about them, um, the reality is uh, that uh, we, we think about independence, you think about U.S. independence, uh, but there was, there was a war and a group of people who had a set agenda and a defined objective. Um, but here you have 72 different tribes trying to decide how are we going to function, how are we going to govern. And uh, so that's going to cause problems. And things like corruption rise up in the middle of that. And so um, I, always, I do always say uh, it's, we have a hard time conceptualizing some of this as Westerners. But in Nigeria, 10% of their federal budget is allocated to corrupt purposes. And so they just have a line item because they know all their politicians are going to take some money off the top before it gets dispersed out to whatever the cause might be. Set over 70% of their national uh, GDP comes from oil. <clears throat> the north, northern region of Nigeria and down on the coast in the far south is, uh, is abundant in oil supplies. And the U.S. has uh, bought a lot of that oil although when that slowed down, their economy uh, changed drastically. And I'll talk more about the economic situation, which uh, pretty much you know if it's bad in the U.S., it's worse everywhere else, and Nigeria is no exception to that. So on to my uh, trip this time. My travel stops uh, this year included four uh, different locations. Abuja, which is the capital city, uh, it's been the capital city since the 90s. It used to be Lagos way down south, but they decided because we are a very diverse people, we need something more central for our capital. So they drew an X on the country, and where that X met in the middle, they planted their capital city. So that is Abuja, and it's right in the middle of the nation. I did go to Lagos, which is way down that star in the very uh, far southeast there, right on the coast. Um, Aloran, which is a Muslim state uh, in the Muslim uh, state called Quora, um, and it's about two hours from where our primary work is in Egbe in Kogi State, Nigeria. So those two stars close to each other are Aloran and Egbe. Uh, travel to Nigeria. Uh, we fly from Miami to London, spend a day in London, fly to Abuja, uh, no rest in Abuja. Later that night, get on a plane, fly to Lagos, and then hopefully get to sleep for the first time in three days. Um, the day we arrived, we, uh, and here's, sorry, here's our, our team. There's me, obviously, in the middle. Um, <clears throat> on my uh, left, your right there, is Alexander Wade. He is uh, a pastor in uh, Huntsville, Alabama of Worthy Redeemer Church, and also one of my co-hosts on our uh, podcast, the Merrill Ministries podcast. Uh, on the other side of me there is Chris Marley. He is a pastor uh, at Miller Valley Baptist Church in, um, in Arizona. And then on the far end there uh, is Olamide Falache. He is our vice president of our school and also the, um, the academic uh, dean of the institution. So these are the guys I spent uh, two weeks hanging out with. Our first stop was in Lagos, and uh, we went to a uh, radio station, and we spent an hour on the radio. And uh, we talked uh, about uh, the question, what is the gospel? 
And while Nigeria has been inundated through the years with uh, various uh, forms of um, quote-unquote Christian teaching, uh, most of it has come in the form of word of faith and um, very strong Pentecostal influences. And so a lot of people are very confused about what Christianity is. And so that question, what is the gospel, is a very important question. Uh, it seems very basic probably to most of us. Um, but uh, if you were to do, and we did this several years ago, a sort of man-on-the-street interview and ask people, are you a Christian? Yes. What is the gospel? And they generally don't have an answer for you. And so we've tried to, uh, we've tried to take every opportunity we have to clarify that. And uh, so this uh, radio station that we went to is actually owned uh, by one of the uh, largest uh, prosperity preachers in all of Africa, um, a guy by, by the name of um, Chris Oyakiyome. Um, and uh, just as a side note, of the 10 richest pastors in the world, five of them are in Nigeria. Um, and, uh, and most of their wealth is accumulated off of people who, uh, for the most part, live on about a dollar or less per day. Um, so they build these massive stadiums, they bring people in, uh, they tell them, if you want God to bless you, you need to give to the church, and these men, uh, they fly around in private jets and live very lavish lifestyles. And so he owns the station, so we thought it very strategic to go on there uh, to talk about what is uh, the gospel. Those were our two hosts. Um, neither one of them uh, really had an answer to that question either. So... We got an hour there, we uh, took uh, calls, uh, but none of them really related to what we talked about. Um, that's always an issue in Nigeria when you do a Q&A. They have all these stored up questions about Christianity, about the Bible they want to ask. It may have nothing to do with what you've discussed, uh, but they always want to ask about tithing, obviously, um, about gifts of the Spirit, um, and this time we even had a question about homosexual practice. Uh, after that, we uh, flew to Eloran, which is, I mentioned, uh, in Quara State. Uh, we got all of our provisions there, so there is a small uh, ShopRite grocery store, and we have to plan out uh, about a week's worth of meals and get all of our food and put it in coolers to transport it to Egg Bay, where we are, because once you're there, all you have are uh, local ingredients, which uh, you, um, you don't want. So uh, we, we went to a grocery store, got the best that we could find, which is still not great, um, and stored up. And then we made our journey, which is about two to two and a half hours by vehicle um, on. And that's really, uh, in terms of safety, that's the most dangerous uh, leg of the journey. The roads are terrible. It's a federal road uh, that's not, it's really not paved in any real sense. Uh, massive potholes everywhere, so you sort of play Plunko in the car as you're bopped around uh, getting uh, to that place. Uh, there's checkpoints all along the way to uh, prevent um, robberies and um, vandals who will come out on the streets and hijack cars and all of that. So, um, so I've never had any issues, uh, and Lord willing, we'll continue that way. Uh, but we made it to Egg Bay on a Friday, and then first thing Saturday morning, we went to another town about an hour away and hosted a pastor's conference. This town is called Osonu. And Osonu is a very small village. They haven't had uh, power in their village for three years now. Um, so that's always an issue, power. You know, we sort of take for granted that when you turn on the switch, the lights will come on. Um, Nigeria, you could be, I've been in the airport and all the power goes off and nobody even bats an eye. It's just normal everyday life that uh, power comes and goes. Uh, but in the small villages, having power is a very rare thing. So most of the time, if you see lights on, it's because we're running uh, generators with very costly diesel fuel. Uh, so this was our pastor's conference, and uh, we discussed um, various issues. I took two sessions on preaching the law and gospel. Um, uh, pastor Wade discussed uh, hermeneutics and preaching, 
and Pastor Chris preached on something else. I don't remember what it was. And then we had a Q&A session. Um, we have partnered with um, a very good friend, and I'll tell you about his story very briefly, um, with a ministry that he has started called Lux and Tenebras. Uh, this is run by a man by the name of Illumide, Illumide, and if you think the double name is funny, it kind of is. Illumide was originally his surname. Uh, he was uh, raised Muslim, so his first name was Muhammad. Um, when he became a Christian, he wanted to uh, get rid of the name Muhammad, and he didn't know what to call himself, so he just took his surname as his first name as well. So now he's Illumide, Illumide. Uh, Illumide was one of our uh, one of the first of 11 students in our school and uh, he graduated three years later as our valedictorian. Uh, some months after that while I was back in the US he called me and he said uh, my family and I have waited for 10 years and we've finally been approved to move to the United States. Uh, but we don't know where we're going to go. We know you, we know your church, so we're just going to come there. Fantastic. Uh, what are you bringing with you? Because I knew they were very poor. I'd given him money for his family in the past to feed his baby and everything else. Uh, he said, we each have a bag of clothes and our plane tickets, and that's about it. So they arrived in Savannah, Georgia. Uh, one of the families there gave them a place to live for several months. Uh, they got jobs, and very soon after, were able to get to buy their own place, to buy their own vehicles, to put their kids in private school where my kids were going to school, and, uh, and now they've purchased, I think, their second home, and they're doing very, very well. Uh, and that's something you know you might recognize about Nigerians. They're very uh, industrious, uh, they have a very uh, hustle mindset, and they are going to get it done. Um, and they've done very, very well. So uh, Illumide, right before I left Savannah, was installed as an elder at Redeemer Baptist Church. And so uh, the church that funded his education and provided everything for their family, he's now able to be there and to serve. It's a wonderful a blessing in God's confirmation on uh, the work that's being done. So he wanted to, in turn, uh, bless his own nation and uh, to continue to uh, support the kind of ministry that he benefited from. And so now he partners with other large ministries, Ligonier and Crossway, Desiring God, uh, all of these ministries. And they provide books for him then to send uh, to pastors, churches, conferences, and schools in Nigeria. They pay for all the shipping and all of the books, and it all goes there. So far, they've distributed over 30,000 books in Nigeria, and they've provided uh, tens of thousands of dollars for men to cover their tuition costs, to pay for internships, and to help pay the salaries of pastors in Nigeria. So, Illumide helped us. He provided books for all of these pastors. We had just over 100 men show up at our conference in this small village. Some of them traveled five, six hours by road just to be there with us for the day. So we distributed books. We gave them a meal, and uh, we got a great opportunity to, uh, to talk with them. So we pray the Lord will continue to uh, bless those efforts, but our, our goal really with these, obviously to help and to instruct pastors and to give them some resources, uh, but in time we, we want to uh, continue to expand our work from sort of its central location and see more church plants and, uh, Lord willing, in time, uh, more classes in different places. And so uh, we do these to sort of get a feel for what the interest would be in different areas. So this was about an hour away uh, from where we generally work. On Sunday, we went uh, to the Egbe Reformed Baptist uh, Fellowship. So two of our men from our school, Olamide, who I mentioned, who's the dean of our institution, and his assistant and one of our current um, students, uh, they have come together to plant this church. Uh, in the village we're in, there are a lot of churches, and uh, really all of them, even ones from more conservative denominations, have been overtaken by charismaticism and word of faith teaching. And so there really isn't a sound church in the area, and they were very disheartened that they didn't have anywhere to worship. Um, and so we talked and said, why not just uh, plant a church? 
And uh, so this began uh, early last year, and if you'll recall at our ladies' conference this last year that you took up your missions offering, and uh, that went to them. And so that TV on the wall and the pulpit and the room they're in and the chairs they're sitting in, all of that was funded by our ladies, and uh, they are able to meet there each and every Lord's Day and Wednesday. So they meet twice on Sundays and once on Wednesdays. It's a slow-growing gro- work, uh, but it's growing, and the Lord is blessing those efforts. And the, uh, the, um, the group that's making up this fellowship is predominantly young men, which is just as rare in Nigeria as it is here. Um, and the young women that are there are, um, are predominantly from the nursing school, which is there uh, in town. So they come in from other places, they go to nursing school, they have three or four years uh, there in the village, and they, they come to the church. So uh, we preached there Sunday morning, I preached Sunday evening, uh, Pastor Wade preached, and then Wednesday night, uh, Pastor Chris uh, preached at this fellowship. So there may be a year or two out from constituting. I mentioned, again, it's a very slow work. They really don't have any source of income. The people who make up this group are students, and uh, those who aren't students are very poor young men who don't generally have jobs because there's not really work for them there. Uh, Monday, we began classes at our primary work, the Institute of Pastoral and Theological Training. So just as a refresher, I mentioned I started going in 2010. Uh, In 2010, I was looking for a way to get the church I was serving involved in global missions because there really was no involvement other than sending money to various missionaries. Um, I met a man who had been going to Nigeria for quite some time, and I went with him that year, and his work was at an orphanage. We visited various bush camps, uh, Muslim bush camps, and different tribes. Uh, We traveled very far to these places way out in the middle of the bush. Um, And so the next year, I went back again and hosted a pastor's conference. About 100 men showed up for that. The following year, 2012, Uh, We did that once again, hosted another pastor's conference. We had almost 200 men show up uh, that year. But at the end of that year, I realized uh, the theology here is uh, of the variety that is very convincing for many of these men, and they don't have access uh, to any resources to show them otherwise. They all have phones, but they're generally not smartphones, so they're not watching YouTube. They don't have computers. They're not generally on the Internet much. Um, books that they do have are things brought in by the Charismatics through the years, or Jehovah's Witnesses, or the Mormons, all of these sort of things. And so um, you have to imagine that most of these people uh, come from tribes that were uh, generally animistic. And so the pluralistic ideas about religion were very prevalent in their thinking, And so when you think about Christianity, to have all of these various theological positions, we look at them and say, well, they don't don't all work together. There are issues uh, that sort of clash. Uh, They don't see uh, the discontinuity as a problem uh, because they're used to sort of this pluralistic idea of the supernatural world. And uh, so I realized after doing these pastor's conferences, this is good and helpful, but over the long term, it's not going to be something that has any sort of sustaining value. And so in 2013, I worked on a plan to start a a training program and wanted to start with 10. We ended up starting with 11 men, and uh, we were uh, given very graciously uh, the catalog of lectures from the Reformed Baptist Seminary. Uh, we loaded three years worth of lectures on solar-powered MP3 players, and I brought uh, three years worth of books on an airplane uh, to give to 11 men. Uh, So that's how we started. And uh, we began classes that year. I was the only one to be there, so I spent an entire week uh, teaching uh, three different classes that week. And then when I went home, they had their MP3 players, they had their books, They would write their papers, they'd have to go somewhere where they could find internet and send them to me, Um, and I would, often they would scan them in and I'd have to decipher their handwriting to grade them, and it was a very uh, sort of crude start, Uh, but in time we developed our, um, we developed our processes and uh, eventually we moved to uh, tablets, 
I have a very good friend who's a Nigerian now living in California, but he had invented a tablet for Africa. Um, and we tried to use that, but there were, when there were issues, we couldn't get them repaired because they had to be sent to China. So then we moved to Amazon Fire tablets, put all their coursework on there. And now we provide everything digitally and it is online and we do provide access for the men to be able to go and access those resources. So we've developed, Crossway was very gracious to give us access to their entire catalog of books and uh, our lectures, uh, many of them still from RBS, uh, but we try to deliver as many of them in person uh, that we can. So some of the team, I already mentioned Olamide Falache, our academic dean and vice president, also a student at the Reformed Baptist Seminary. And uh, Lanre Alaye is our administrator and an assistant to the dean. He is also now a third-year student at IPTT, a very gracious, uh, loving man, and also our church planter, uh, Lord willing, of the Egg Bay Reformed Baptist uh, Church in the future. Uh, Lanry, um, affectionately known to me as Larry, um, is married and has one small child, Caleb, and uh, just a very sweet, uh, gracious man. We're very thankful for these men and all that they do. Olamide is married and has three uh, children, all in what we would call college, uh, university for them. And uh, his wife actually lives in Lagos. Uh, she runs a, a school that she started uh, for um, pre-K to about third grade would be the ages now. And he lives in Egg Bay running our institution. And that sounds strange to us, that a husband and wife would live apart from each other. It's a very normal thing in Nigeria. And so Olamide is able to travel back to Lagos uh, frequently to see his wife and his children, uh, but he is there full-time for us uh, doing that work, and both of them are very happy. Um, when we were in Lagos, he came with us, uh, made sure to bring his wife along, and they got to spend a few days together with us uh, there as well. Uh, we began our classes on Monday morning, and uh, we have three classrooms now, and all of them were full. Remember I said we started with 11 students. Now in total, on the, various, uh, on the spectrum of where guys are in class, uh, we have just over 80 different uh, students. Um, and this was our largest uh, gathering of students all at one time that we've ever had. There were just over 60 uh, students with us uh, during this week. We have brand new year one students, we have year two and year three students, and then also this time we ran a certificate program, and that program was to try to uh, generate interest in uh, the school, to get people to come, to get a taste for the lectures and what the workload would be, to decide if they want to sign up uh, for classes. Like any academic institution, one of the difficulties once students come is they show up, uh, they're very eager, they're very excited, uh, they have big plans for what they're going to do and how they're going to make it through. And then once they start to uh, get weighed down by the uh, difficulty of the coursework, uh, they slow down and many of them sort of peter out. So we want to do this certificate program to give them a taste for what it would be like. And um, so we had, I think, 15 students take our certificate program. And uh, I will, I'll show you some pictures from that in a moment. But these were our classrooms. Uh, Pastor Wade, Olamide, and Chris taught all of the classes this time. Unfortunately for me, uh, now that the school has grown so large, I really don't have an opportunity to teach at the school anymore. I'm too busy doing all the administrative tasks, which not my favorite thing in the world, but someone has to do it. So uh, that's what I spend my time doing, meeting with people and going around town, um, shaking hands and kissing babies. That's my job. Uh, we instituted something this year called IPTT teams, and we are trying to group these men in smaller groups to encourage one another, to provide accountability, and to help one another through their coursework. So it's a picture there of Olamide meeting with one of our teams uh, during a class time in our library and encouraging them, and then all the men lined up there in the library uh, doing their studies. 
So our certificate program, I mentioned already, I think we had 15 uh, people come for a week. They got a certificate in biblical studies. We had two women and uh, the rest men. Uh, I put the picture of that man there, uh, a man by the name of Coyote, and he had been coming to our classes for quite some time, never finished much, but he wanted to come. He did his certificate. He was very excited. And sadly, a week after we left, uh, I got a call that he had died. Uh, so Coyote uh, woke up one morning and was feeling weak. They brought him to the hospital, and he died as soon as he got there. So very grateful to spend the last full week of his life uh, with him, a very uh, kind uh, and a faithful man. So uh, he received his certificate from IPTT, and he was very proud, uh, very thankful for that. Uh, this is a small group of some of our students, some of them former students, some of them uh, new, some of them old, uh, but that was uh, right out at the front of our school on our final day of class. So I'll give you a bit of a, a very short, uh, small, not, I'm not showing you all the pictures, but a tour of the home of IPTT. And there it is. That's a view from the road there on the left, and that's the front of our academic building uh, there up front. Uh, the road to get there is often washed out because of the rain. Uh, there is there's not like any kind of road crew coming through and filling the potholes. Uh, it is a very uh, difficult road to traverse, uh, but we're up and down there several times a day while we are there, but we're able to get the land leveled out where we are. So um, we, uh, we first broke ground on this in 2016. The Aleg Bay, or the king of the village, came and he uh, broke ground with us at our first graduation ceremony. And uh, since then, uh, you can see what we've been able to do. Uh, just the opposite view, that's our academic building. Our academic building now has three classrooms, a large administrative area, an office for administration, and our library. And we uh, can see sort of the, the lobby area there, and that's the hallway through uh, to all of our classrooms and our library. All these books have been donated uh, from Americans, uh, churches here. I've received books over time, and about once a year I like to try and do a book drive to get more uh, to be able to send. So um, another interesting thing in God's providence, um, there's a man by the name of Don Campion uh, who uh, was born in Nigeria. Now, Don is a Canadian man, uh, but he was born in Nigeria. His parents were missionaries there working in a hospital there in Egbe, which is a small village that we are in. Uh, his family moved away after his parents' uh, health grew uh, poor, back to Canada, and um, Don eventually moved to Fort Lauderdale. Um, after a while, the hospital didn't have support anymore, and it was starting to deteriorate. And so some missionaries went back to try and revive the hospital. They got a hold of Don, knowing he grew up there as a child, knowing that he was, at that time, eventually a, a wealthy man. He, uh, he owns a large portion of the, um, of the small uh, executive airport there in Fort Lauderdale. Banyan Air Services is what it's called. Um, and so Don got on board with this and went back to Nigeria and started pouring money into reviving this hospital. Uh, since then, he also started the nursing school that's there. It's a very, very large project and now considered the best hospital that anyone can go to in Nigeria when they have need. Um, so Don and I have gotten to know each other, and uh, we live about 20 minutes apart from each other now. So whenever I have anything that I need to send to Nigeria on a large scale that I can't just carry on an airplane with me, Don graciously allows us space on his shipping cargo containers and sends it for us. So about once a year, we send books uh, through Don Campion, and they make it there, and they get on our shelves. These, um, I would have to say, I've been all around Nigeria. I've been to many, many uh, churches, Reformed and otherwise. I've never seen a library like ours. And uh, we want to continue to grow it. And uh, I think we're up to about 4,000 volumes. Uh, we need to get that up to about 20,000. So um, in time, don't bring them to me yet, but in time, uh, we're going to ask for more books. Uh, so when the time is right, if you have books laying around that would be useful for our library, please bring them, and we'd love to send them off. Uh, just our office space, uh, desks and whatnot for the administration. 
And we are currently now working on coming close to finishing our guest house. So the guest house is where uh, we will stay when we go there once this is completed. Um, part of the difficulty of the travel is always finding places to stay in rural villages. Um, the housing situation there is, um, is not great. Uh, the hotels are even worse. Um, so what we've done over the past few years is we've rented a house for Olamide to stay in, and uh, we pay a very, very high rent for him to stay there. It's about $350 a year. Um, uh, but we renovated the whole place for him, so it's a nice place to stay. But we stay in his house, but imagine three, uh, three guys staying with him, and three of the four of us are quite large. I won't say who. Um, but um, when you're the small guy in the group, you have to sleep on the couch, and, uh, and it's just too small for us, and it's this tiny little kitchen trying to make meals for everyone. Um, so as we increase our times of bringing people in to teach, we want a place for everyone to stay. And so we have built this guest house. Uh, the, two end, to the two rooms on the end are singles, and the two in the middle are doubles. And then we have a large uh, gathering area in the middle with a very large kitchen and a gathering place uh, for the instructors when we are there. Uh, once it's completed, Olamide will live there full time. Um, and Lord willing, we will have other employees that are able to live there uh, as well. Uh, off to uh, the right there, you see that little building off to the side. That's an office for who will eventually be our campus administrator, sort of keeping everything uh, running while, uh, while we're not around. Just inside the guest house. Now, let me tell you something about Nigerians. Everything in Nigeria is about utility. If it works, we'll do it. Aesthetics never, ever, ever comes into play unless it has to do with their clothing. Um, so there are some bathrooms that are tiled in such a way that if you had a seizure disorder, you wouldn't want to enter. <laughs> that is one of them. Uh, that happens to be the bathroom in the room that is mine. Uh, so it works. That's the best we can say about it. Uh, but uh, they've been hard at work. Uh, we, got the, we got the floors tiled, and uh, we are now working on the electrification plan, and there's plumbing. Um, this entire campus will be run on solar power, so it will be off the grid, and therefore we are not dependent upon uh, what's called NEPA, uh, which is the national. They're, everything in Nigeria is federal, so the federal government runs the power for the entire country. Um, so we will be off the grid and have power 24 hours a day. Uh, we are going to uh, use Starlink Internet, which is provided by Elon Musk, uh, which is now available in Nigeria. So we have Internet 24 hours a day. Uh, and power 24 hours a day means we get to have air conditioning 24 hours a day, uh, which is very, very nice. So the climate is very much like it is here. Uh, but imagine every building you're in, there's no AC turned on. So... Um, it will be great, and it will be very comfortable for those who come to stay and to work there. Um, on this trip, I acquired a new piece of land. Now, something that happens often in Nigeria, our school is set away a bit from the town, but once they saw us building a large structure and they knew money was coming from America, immediately everyone wants to come and buy up the land around it because they see, oh, there's development here. So this land has sat empty since literally the beginning of time, uh, but we showed up and now it is very popular. So we wanted to buy up the land just around the perimeter of the school so that there's no zoning restrictions. So someone wouldn't come and build a pig farm or a chicken farm next to us, which is a very, there's a very high likelihood of that. And so now IPTT owns two acres, just over two acres of land, and um, that cost us total about $2,500. Um, we also petitioned the town to let us uh, rename the street that runs by our school, and they granted us that privilege. And so our school now officially sits on 1689 IPTT Boulevard. Uh, so we, uh, 1689 officially has a road in Nigeria. 
Uh, our land is beautiful, honestly. It really is a beautiful piece of land. Uh, it's filled with cashew and mango trees. Uh, someone has been farming it for quite a while, so uh, we're allowing him to finish out his crops, and the family who sold us the land has graciously provided him with other land now to farm. So uh, so we own the land. We do have plans for the future for that, and I'll mention that in just a moment. Um, yeah. We also acquired new wheels this time. Brand new, you can acquire one of these for $900, brand new. The very finest in Chinese-made motorcycles. Uh, this was purchased by one of our um, benevolence offerings several months ago, if you recall. Uh, on our Lord's uh, Supper service, we took up a benevolence offering for a vehicle. Um, this is what we have, and this is, uh, this is very useful there because of all the potholes in the roads and all the a washout. It's very easy to maneuver in this. Um, that being said, uh, you can't transport five or six guys in this, uh, so uh, especially their size. Uh, so we need to uh, we need to uh, purchase another vehicle here soon. Uh, we've been renting vehicles from locals while we're there. Uh, they know who we are. Uh, they assume we just have an untold amount of money, and so we get charged out the nose uh, to get a vehicle there. So we need our own. But for now, this is uh, very useful. A lot of time spent in community interactions uh, over the years. I've developed many relationships. Um, starting down in the lower left corner, uh, the man there in the middle is called the Ba'ala of the village. He is the, the second in charge in terms of tribal leadership, like sort of the vice president, if you will. Um, and there on the top picture is the Alegbe. He is the king of Egbe. Um, so he's there giving the official a blessing of the town. Um, I've gotten to know this man over the years. He is a very, very humble, sweet, and godly man. Uh, we showed up in his office, and the first thing he did was read from the scriptures and pray with all of us and uh, offer God's blessing upon us. So um, I was actually there nine years ago when he was inaugurated as the Alegbe, and this is a lifetime appointment. Once you're appointed, it's on to death. Um, but he was also there, remember, for our commissioning service when we first broke ground. And he told us in private, he said, um, nobody knows this, but often on Sunday afternoons after church, my driver will bring me out to the campus. I like to see the progress you guys are making and pray that God will continue to bless your efforts here. So a very, very humble man. So we went by his office, uh, had a few uh, matters to discuss with him. And then down there in the right corner is a man that I've done business with through the years. Uh, he is the representative of the family from whom we purchased the land. Um, so he is the chief of his family, and he informed me uh, while we were there uh, that next year is the 10-year anniversary of the Leg Bay, and during the town's annual Unity Day, um, they are going to honor me with a reward, an award of excellence for their town and I will be inducted into their clan. In other words, that means I become an official member of their family. Um, and then a few years after that, what will happen is that I will, um, I will receive an honorary chieftaincy. So I will be a chief, and my wife will officially have to call me Lord. So uh, it's, it's really, it's honorary, and it really is an honor, but this is one of the ways they have uh, to, uh, to show honor to those who have worked in their community, and that they, that's how they show their thankfulness. So um, it really is a blessing uh, to have their blessing on our efforts. A few other ministries going on. Um, the man on the left is Pastor Alabi. He was one of our first students. Uh, he became one of our students at 60 years old. as uh, one of our best students to date. Uh, but he runs what's called the Spring of Life Clinic at the hospital. And he ministers entirely to uh, AIDS patients. Uh, he distributes medications and uh, food that is provided by uh, the WHO and the CDC. 
Uh, so I went by on the day they were distributing medicines and food. Uh, that little boy I'm there with, he does have AIDS. His mother had AIDS uh, when he was born, and it was transferred to him. So uh, most of these women, uh, the clinic is filled with women. Uh, most of the women, um, almost all of them, have AIDS, not because of their own promiscuity, but because of their husbands. Um, and so they're living with this terrible disease. Uh, most of them cut off from their families once it's known. Um, some of, a lot of them, a lot of heartbreaking stories. Once the family knows uh, the woman has AIDS in the middle of the night, they'll leave her into the home by herself, and she'll never see or hear from them again. Um, so it still has a very strong stigma. The pastoral lobby is doing great work to provide medications for them. He does regular pastoral visits in their homes, and he is doing his best work to try and keep uh, people from um, seeing them as sort of other. Uh, it's really the work of the Lord, and he is a, a wonderful, gracious man, uh, but some heartbreaking stories from that. Uh, on the right is my friend James Wilson, also one of our first students, and James is a missionary to the Fulani Muslims. Um, so uh, James was raised a Fulani Muslim himself, um, and when he became a Christian, he started going to the bush camps where the Fulanis were. Uh, the Fulani people group is the largest nomadic people group in the world. Um, and he goes and he preaches the gospel to them in their own language. And as he gathers a group of people together, he's able to plant churches and appoint pastors. Uh, to date, he has started 48 churches in Fulani bush camps. Uh, 43 of them are thriving. Um, so he tries to work on other things that are helpful, like um, providing water uh, sources for uh, these uh, bush camps and, and uh, food and things of that nature. So that's James. He's doing a great work among the Fulani Muslims. All right, so what is all this costing us? Our costs, our annual costs are right there. You can see salaries, travel, um, uh, that's housing, rental, and a few utilities we pay, 500 a year. Pretty good deal. Um, our classes run us about 1500 There are always ongoing legal fees. You're always paying for something. We have a great lawyer, a young guy who's very eager. And then when we have our graduation ceremonies, that's what it costs. So about $28,000 a year we are running IPTT. Uh, we expect this to um, increase slightly. We do need to hire one more security guard. We have four guys, wonderful men, uh, our security, uh, but they work 12-hour shifts on rotation. They never get a day off. So we want to hire one more guy so they get one day off per week. Um, so that's going to be another about $40 a month um, to hire him. But we do have one-time expenses to finalize our building project. And I've really, you know, like I mentioned, we've done this, we've been building since 2016. And we've only been able to do what we've gotten funds for uh, as they've come in. So we'll sort of have a burst of work, it gets done, and then we have to wait for more funds. I cannot wait for this to be done so that all the money that comes in can be put toward the education and toward growing uh, the school. But here are some one-time expenses that we are anticipating. Now, part of this is as a result of the fluctuation of the uh, currency. When I started going in 2010, uh, 150 naira was equivalent to $1. On my last trip, I exchanged money. It was about 1,050 naira was equivalent to $1. And so I walk around with a large leather bag full of cash it looks like I'm a drug dealer, but it's really not that much money. It just takes a lot of it. Um, so with that, the prices increase, inflation like it does here. Uh, but these are the costs that we are anticipating to complete our buildings entirely in terms of the structures, about 30 grand, uh, to get everything we need for the classrooms and guest house, about 40 grand. Um, the solar electricity plan, about 40 landscaping five, and then, uh, Lord willing, a vehicle. We're looking at one of those sort of um, like eight-passenger van sort of things. I think that's, what are those called? The Ford um, Transit, yes, something like that. Uh, so our total remaining need, about $125,000 to complete everything. Future plans. Of course, I mentioned expanding our library. 
Uh, we want to find Nigerian lecturers. Ultimately, we want this to be a Nigerian work. Um, I get older and I feel it every time I go that I am older. I started this when I was in my 20s. I'm not anymore. And uh, recovery is a lot longer. And so in time, we want to hand this over to the Nigerians. But we have to find faithful men who know the scriptures and who will hold to our doctrinal standard. And so we're diligently looking for men. Uh, now I have about four Nigerians we can rely on, but we need more. Um, we want to continue conference speaking and reformation efforts. Uh, this trip was rare. Usually I travel to other major cities and preach at churches and conferences. We didn't have anything like that lined up this time, but uh, we continue those efforts. A church plant in Egg Bay is going well. We want to continue with that, and Lord willing, in time, work with some of our other graduates uh, to plant other churches in the area. We would eventually like to move to full-time in-person instruction. Obviously, we're not building these buildings for nothing. We would like uh, to have our students there full-time, uh, which will ultimately require that we use that land that we purchased to, uh, to build uh, housing for students, like a dormitory for them. Um, so that's sort of future-looking, what we want to do, build a dorm, have full-time students, and then uh, our our big, uh, maybe one day, who knows if the Lord would bless it, goal would be that we would have a full-fledged Christian university and not just the seminary. Um, obviously, with the goal progressing toward full Nigerian control of everything. So that is, uh, that's, that's it in terms of time. But maybe, I know we're over, but if anyone has any quick questions that I can answer for you. Yeah, Mike. The students, there's about three. There's three primaries. Um, most of the people in that area are Yorba, um, but we do have a few others, Hausa, um, and there's a few Ebos as well. But, yeah, that's primarily it. And they're, they're all Christians, so they get along well. We don't see a lot of the infighting. Yeah. Yep, Kyle. program the radio program that you yeah. did is there any chance that'll be available to listen to uh there might be i know we sort of recorded some of it on our phones so i'll see uh, if wade has it and if it's a good audio we'll see i don't i don't know about their archives if they record it they would definitely charge us a lot of money for it so i'll check and see anything else All right. Well, thanks for your time. Let me pray. Lord, thank you again for your goodness to us. Thank you for all that you're doing in Nigeria, well beyond anything that we could have ever hoped or imagined. And uh, it is all owing to your grace and your kindness. Uh, and so we pray you continue to bless these efforts. Watch over our faculty, our staff, and our students. Lord, help us to, um, to plan well and wisely to use the funds that are given to us in a way that is of maximal benefit. And uh, we pray, Lord, that you would continue to pour out uh, your blessing upon uh, this work, uh, that you would be glorified, and that from that place in that small village, as men are trained up, that they would pastor churches, that they would be sent out as missionaries, and that you would do great things in and through them for your glory and for the expansion of your kingdom upon this earth. And we pray you do all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you were edified by this message. For additional sermons, as well as information on giving to the ministry of Emmanuel Baptist Church and on our current building project, you can visit us online at ebcfl.org. That's ebcfl.org dot o-r-g